what is going on everyone my name is andy welcome back to another fpl video in this one it's some of my early thoughts ahead of game week nine very early thoughts in this case because we do have an international break but the fpl content does not stop i'm going to go through some of the watch list players including the 4.9 million penalty taking midfielder and go through some of my notes from the weekend so if you enjoyed the video make sure to give it a like hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already and let's jump into it so let's start off with Cole Palmer, who took a penalty for Chelsea at the weekend against Burnley, which I don't think many people were expecting. And at 4.9 million, that is definitely interesting to me, even though Chelsea's fixtures are about to turn. So from game week 9 to 13, they've got to play all of Arsenal at home, Spurs away, Man City at home, and Newcastle away. The only okay fixture is Brentford at home in game week 10. But still, if you've got a penalty-taking midfielder at 4.9 million, even with those fixtures, that is definitely something to at least consider. You don't have to run out and transfer him into your team straight away. He also has uh, a yellow flag in FPL, although I'm sure that's probably just going to be an international break injury. But he is someone to, uh, to think about kind of moving forward. Now, the key question is... Is he now first choice penalty taker for Chelsea? And realistically, we're not going to know that unless Pochettino confirms it or we see a few more penalties for Chelsea. But I think it's interesting who was on the pitch at the time because the first penalty that Chelsea got this season, I think, was against West Ham. Enzo Fernandez took that and missed. So I thought the likely candidates were Enzo Fernandez to get another chance or Raheem Sterling, possibly Reese James. And that's about it, really. I know, obviously, Broya and Jackson are number nines, and often we expect the number nine to be on penalties, but Jackson's never taken any in his career from what I can uh, see from when I've looked it up. And Broya's taken two, one in the under-18s Premier League and one in the UEFA Nations League B, right? He's not taken any for Chelsea, you know, in a league game or a cup game or anything like that. So it's not like they are out-and-out penalty takers anyway they're not like a harry kane or a mo Salah or anything like that um, and sterling was on the pitch and so was enzo fernandez now some people said that sterling won the penalty so maybe he didn't want to take it as well but generally right if someone really wants to take it it's when they've won it so i don't think that's really a key issue the other player is reese james who's obviously been out injured and i know right backs don't tend to take penalties but i do think there's a chance that reese james is on them but given that palmer stepped up and took it I don't think it would be a complete surprise if moving forward, he takes the next one. So I think it's not that he is now suddenly a great midfielder you have to have in your team. It's it's what he enables, really. Like most people who've just wildcarded, they're not going to be looking at Palmer whatsoever. Someone that's about to wildcard in 9 or 10 might be thinking about what that can do for the rest of the team. The other thing to talk about is obviously his minutes as well. He's been playing right wing, which is where Sterling started most of the games for Chelsea this season. Uh, but interestingly, they both played at the weekend and Sterling was on the left and it worked pretty well. Now, I know a lot of Chelsea fans are, I don't know, encouraged by what they've seen from Mudrick. I'm still not quite sure what kind of player Chelsea have got there. I think Sterling is definitely better. I think Palmer has played well in the games that he's had. Obviously, it's a small sample size so far. So I think he probably is first choice at the moment. I think that is the first choice you know, wingers, Sterling and Palmer. Does that mean he's going to start every single game? I'm not confident enough to say that just yet. But so far, if we look up what he's played since... Because obviously he's not been at the club um, right from the start of, of the season either, or not available anyway. So 20... He got subbed on in game weeks 4, 5 and 6, and he started the last two. 77 minutes against Fulham and 85 against Burnley. So I do think it's quite encouraging. In terms of what it enables... I've got Haaland and Son and Trippier. I would love Salah, of course, and I'm not going to get too much into my own team right now. But if I put Salah in, I can do 
like Rashford down to Palmer straight away. Now, is Palmer better than a Diaby or a Ward Prowse or a Bowen that a lot of people got? Probably not, especially with the fixtures. But most people's teams can also have Haaland and Salah and Son and Trippier. Somewhere you've got to make a sacrifice. So you're either choosing to drop one of them or you're choosing to have a 4.9 million enabler. Now, from what I've looked at, and obviously, you know, he only took the penalty on Saturday, I think it was. Um, you know, I've not looked massively at future plans. You probably would need a wild card to incorporate him because I think you'd want some rotating defenders with him for the bad fixtures. But I just think if these players are all needed, like Salah and Haaland for captaincy over the next few weeks, Son, if he keeps playing number nine, Trippier is fantastic. Again, he outscored the rest of the Newcastle defenders at the weekend because he got the assist and bonus. Maybe it is worth it. I mean, I'd be looking to get him on wildcard potentially in game week 10. Brentford at home, I don't mind playing him in that. Brighton at home, I don't mind playing him in that. It's just really the Spurs, Man City and Newcastle games, which are a little bit tricky. But at the end of the day, if you had to play him in those fixtures, if we assume he's on penalties and he's probably going to start. Is that a huge issue? Probably not. So I don't think this is a, a like such a game changer that everyone needs to think about him. But I think people that are on wild cards in 9 or 10 should be given it at least some consideration. From the drafts that I've looked up, I'm still not convinced I will go for him. But it is quite tempting. Like a 3-4-3 with Palmer instead of Archer, or a 4-4-2, or just a rotating player with other defenders, definitely something to look at. So big win for Arsenal against Man City yesterday. And in that game, we also saw the return of Gabriel Martinelli, who came on at halftime, got the winning goal. It was a big deflection off of Ake. But still, in that second half, he was one of the brightest sparks for Arsenal. And he's only going to cost you 7.7 million. At the start of the season, he was 8 million. But because of the injury and people selling him, he has gone down in price. And Arsenal have a fixture swing starting in game week 10, Sheffield United at home. So there's a lot to like about him. I still think when everyone is fit and available Saka is the better option right because although he gives some of the penalties away he's also going to take some too and he's absolutely nailed on when he's fit and available I know he missed the Man City game yesterday obviously that hamstring issue he had was too much of a concern to play him but generally when he's fit and available he's like the first name on the team sheet and while I think Martinelli is absolutely the first choice left winger for Arsenal when fit there's just always that slight concern that Trossard might come on for him during a game around the 60, 70th minute, so you lose minutes there. And at some point, Trossard might start ahead of him. It might be like once in every six or seven games or something like that, maybe even more. But there's always just slight worries, at least for me, around him, whereas there isn't for Saka. So I still think when Arsenal have got a great fixture, switch, uh, fixture run, the Saka is worth paying the extra for. But it is worth now taking into account the price difference because Saka is 8.6 he probably will drop in price to 8.5 before game week 9 but even if he does that's still a 0.8 million price difference between him and Martinelli and if he does keep giving away penalties then maybe he's not such a better option than Martinelli is once you take that price difference into account and obviously the other thing thing to consider is whether or not to just go for both of them from game week 10 onwards. Obviously, a lot of this is going to depend on when you wildcard, whether you've already done it, whether you're doing it in 9, 10, etc. But the fixtures from 10, outside of Newcastle away, which to be fair is straight away afterwards in game week 11, are excellent. They've got Sheffield United at home in 10, that Newcastle away game in 11, then it's Burnley at home, Brentford away, Wolves at home, Luton away, Villa away, Brighton at home. The next toughest fixture after Newcastle away in 11 is probably Liverpool away in 18. And then after that, it's West Ham at home, Fulham away, Palace at home, Forest away. There's every reason from kind of game week 10 all the way down till 22, probably even longer, 
that when Arsenal players are fit and available, you can just keep them for the long term and just not worry about having to transfer them out. And I think someone like Saka is right up there. And if Martinelli does start the majority of games with 7.7 million, he could be a nice differential as well. Obviously, you're looking at him versus other players that you could have from other teams. Like a lot of people have got Madison. A lot of people got him before he went up to 8 million as well. So you might want to keep him instead. He's absolutely nailed on. Going to play in every game. He keeps ticking over with points. It's not like Martinelli is now a must-have, but he is a major differential at a time when Arsenal have got really good fixtures coming up from game week 10. You don't need to worry about him for Chelsea away. And in some ways, that's quite nice because he's only just back from injury. He's had 45 minutes. He's not been called up to the Brazil squad for the international break from what I can see. So we're going to get two weeks off now. I'm sure he's going to start against Chelsea. And if he comes through that game unscathed, then you can start looking him from game week 10 onwards. And look, there might be people out there that have got Haaland and Salah and Son. They don't want to drop any of those players. And they actually need someone a little bit cheaper than Madison. And you can start looking at players like Martinelli instead, who are a bit more expensive than like a Diaby and an Inbermo, etc., but also cheaper than the Sackers, Rashford, Fernandes, etc. as well. So, yeah, I quite like it. i got to be honest, from looking at early Game Week 10 wildcard drafts, I think it's more likely that I go for double Arsenal defence, but I'm certainly not counting out double Arsenal midfield, which obviously I'll show you when I go through the Game Week 10 draft in a couple of weeks, right? It's not going to be in this video. Um, but yeah, he looks decent. But there is another midfielder around that price that I got my eye on. So let's talk about him. So I think Luis Diaz is going under the radar a little bit, at least compared to other Liverpool options for FPL. So lots of people talking about Mo Salah at the moment, and rightly so. Darwin Nunez comes up a little bit. I've seen him in some FPL squads, and I like him as a pick. But in comparison, Luis Diaz doesn't really get mentioned at all. I'm sure there's some of you that own him, but I don't see him that often in FPL squads. Now, I think that's partly because he's a midfielder. So if you think about, obviously, we just had game week eight, lots of people wildcarded. With Darwin, it's him versus Watkins versus Alvarez. You can absolutely make the case that Alvarez or Watkins is a better pick. But there's not a huge amount of forwards to pick from. So I get that choice to go for Darwin. Whereas in midfield, lots of people had Son, Madison, Salah and Diaby. So there's only one more spot. And if you're trying to have a Trippier in defence or a Watkins in your front line, it's quite hard to find the money for a 7.5 million Diaz. So I understand why he's not in many squads at the moment. He's not in mine either. But I think he is worth looking at going forward because Liverpool's fixtures are great. They've got Everton at home in game week nine. Although it is worth noting, as a Jordan Pickford owner, their stats are actually pretty good defensively, but they haven't had a huge amount of tough fixtures. So I think this is still a good game for Liverpool. It's also the 12.30 kickoff on Saturday after an international break. Jurgen Klopp hates that fixture slot. So who knows what kind of Liverpool will turn up. And we'll talk about whether Diaz will actually start that game in a minute. But on paper, decent fixture. Then from game week 10 onwards, so for those of you looking to wildcard that week, they got Forest at home, Luton away, Brentford at home, which is great. Man City away in game week 13. Very Obviously a very tough fixture, right? The, the hardest you'll have all season. That's also after the next international break. Worth noting, I guess... Because of the fixture difficulty, they'd probably start anyway, like the first choice. And I do think Diaz is first choice left wing for Liverpool at the moment. But that is worth noting. That is another game after an international break. That definitely won't be 12.30 on a Saturday, by the way. That will almost certainly be... In fact, let me just check it's not already been scheduled. It's not been scheduled, but that's going to be the 4.30 game on Sunday, you'd imagine. Then game week 14 is Fulham. But even after that, the fixtures are still pretty good, right? They've got... Uh, Fulham at home 14, Sheffield United away 15, Palace away in 16. Then it's back-to-back -back home games against United and Arsenal. 
and then it's Burnley away in game week 19. But look, whether or not you keep him that long anyway, I don't necessarily know if you would because there's loads of other midfielders. But right from game week 10, oh, sorry, game week 9 to 16, the fixtures are just great for Liverpool. And I think outside of possibly the two after the international break, Diaz is probably going to start them all because that is what's happened so far. Um, the only game when he went off early was against Newcastle. That's because of the red card, so nothing to do with really his performance. But he only played 45 against Wolves. That was the game after the international break. So I am a little bit worried about game week nine, but that has some knock-on effects, right? So for those of you, and we are going to talk about wildcards quite a lot this week and next week. I think after game week 10, the wildcard conversation will go down quite a bit. But for anyone that's on game week 10 wildcard, that means if you're looking for a punt in game week nine, there's a good chance that Diogo Jota starts, and I like that for one week only. And then in game week 10, you could look to go for Diaz, maybe as a three-week punt, similar to what we did with Mar- or what I did anyway, um, with Martinelli for game weeks one to three. And then for game week 13, Man City away, you could then look to either get rid of him, bring someone else in off your bench if you don't think he's going to start, and then either you switch to someone else with good fixtures or you just have him from that uh, another good run from game week 14 onwards. So I quite like him at his price point. But obviously, he's up against not only other midfielders at that price, but just other midfielders that are going to be taking up your five spots. So if Son's still playing number nine, he looks great. Salah looks great as well. Villa's fixtures from 10 are decent. Just talked about Martinelli at 7.7 million. You might want to keep Madison. You're trying to get Saka in there. Jared Bowen's going to be an option as well. It's not like Diaz is just a standout obvious pick, but as a big differential, he is worth looking at. And his underlying numbers have been decent. 0.39 expected goals per 90, 0.16 expected assists. And he's actually underperformed. He's only on 0.33 goals per 90, and he hasn't had any assists so far. So there is definitely more to come from him. I think one of the another reason he's gone under the radar is only got two goals and they both came in game weeks one and two. Hasn't scored since, although obviously he did score against Spurs. That should have counted. I'm not going to get into that again. Um, but I think given the lack of returns, that's going to make a lot of people just not look at him. Whereas I picture it as, or view it as, good underlying numbers, playing for a team that are going to score a lot of goals, great fixtures. Maybe this is the time to start thinking about him. So if he starts against Everton, and hopefully because it's the early game we'll get a leak, then he is worth a one-week punt. If he doesn't, then I would be looking at Jota. But from game week 10 onwards for maybe that three-game week period, I really like the look of him. It's just whether or not we can fit him in when there's so many midfield options. All I know is I cannot see myself switching to 3-4-3. Like, there are good forwards, Watkins, Haaland, Alvarez, Darwin. But after that, the options get a lot less like Hoyland maybe if you wanted to take a punt Isaac or Wilson if you were hopeful that they were going to continue to start in the league but that's not guaranteed I think there's so many midfielders to talk about on wildcard I don't see me moving off that formation so I just want to quickly go through some of my notes from the weekend so I talked about Cole Palmer already 4.9 million midfielder for Chelsea possibly going to be first choice penalty taker moving forward as well Thomas Socek is also 4.9 million West Ham have got some really good fixtures especially from game week 10 onwards and he's also scored twice in a row and his underlying numbers actually look all right so as an enabler and that's all he would really be he is worth kind of thinking about as well so 0.93 expected goals uh, against Newcastle 0.85 against Sheffield United 0.34 against Liverpool he does seem to be getting forward we have seen uh, this from him in the past and maybe that's how David Moyes is going to utilize him this season or at least over this next period of games after just talking about 
Luis Diaz. Like I said, I can't see me moving off 3-5-2. And unless I'm desperate to have Trippier, Son, Salah, and Haaland, you probably don't need an enabler like this. But they do have, from game week 9 onwards, Villa away, Everton at home, Brentford away, Forest at home, Burnley away, Palace at home. Pretty decent fixtures. So for that kind of price, maybe he's worth it if you've got a setup where you need that cheap midfielder enabler maybe you're going to a 3-4-3 uh, no team has conceded more goals than Sheffield United so far this season obviously part of that is because Newcastle put eight past them part of the reason they put eight past them is because their defense is awful who has Sheffield United this week Man United now I even I right I'm kind of sick of my Man United midfielders at this point but I think this is very similar now to the Sterling situation last week against Burnley away if you're not wildcarding in game week nine and you've got Man United midfielders, they are not a priority to sell before Sheffield United away. If you're really happy with the rest of your team and you've got a spare transfer, then fair enough. I get that. And I'm going to talk about Rashford's minutes in a, in a sec. I was going to say in a minute then. But ultimately, they're not players you need to force out. You definitely don't need to take hits. Have they been super frustrating? Absolutely. Are they going to drop in price this week? Probably, right? At least 0.1 million. But that is a really good fixture, even away from home. So I, I don't know. I just look at the amount of goals they've conceded. The defense isn't great. Maybe this is the week for Man United midfielders. But after that week, I'm almost certainly getting rid of both of them. I don't see me holding them any longer. So for everyone that keeps saying to me, how long are you going to keep your Man United midfielders for? Probably one more game week. Um, Trippier did show why he's worth the extra money at the weekend got the assist along with that he got two bonus points so even though he conceded twice he still got the bonus because he picked up that attacking return look it's only six points but if you had someone like dan burn i don't think he got a yellow card but because he conceded twice obviously he only finished on one point now that's only oh sorry that's botman um you know that's only a five point difference but in one game week that can be quite a lot and that can start to add up over a number of weeks so i'm kind of quite loath to get rid of him on wildcard but i think in game week 10 we'll probably have to because in game weeks 11 13 and 14 they got arsenal man united and chelsea they're all at home to be fair and they are capable of getting clean sheets in those games because the defense is so good but in and around champions league and stuff like that i'm just not sure you then get the clean sheets he could still get attacking returns and he could still tick over i think a lot of it will come down to what kind of setup you're on basically and unless you're willing to go for that enabler or you want to go for a really cheap forward it's quite difficult to hold on to him or if you go without Salah or Haaland which most people don't want to do the fixtures are very good again though from game week 15 onwards like really good Everton away Spurs away Fulham at home Luton away Forest at home you're kind of going to probably want him back for that so I don't know in some ways I'd like to have him on wildcard because in between sorry either side of the Arsenal at home game is Wolves away, Bournemouth away. So once you're past Chelsea and Man United, the fixtures get pretty decent again. I don't know, it depends how you frame it, because from game weeks 11 to 16, they got Arsenal at home, Chelsea at home, Man United home, and Spurs away in the space of six game weeks. I don't know. Either way, when the fixtures are good for Newcastle, I think Trippier is worth that extra money. But you've always got to see what that, that money could do for you elsewhere, which is why I probably wouldn't have put Trippier on game week eight wildcard. But some people didn't. And if you did, fair enough. Um, lots of conversations about no, about no Salah and no Haaland. I do think if you were going to go no Haaland, it was probably in game week eight because you weren't going to captain it. Or, sorry, he was a worse captain than he usually would be because it's Arsenal away. Um, and he's only got 0.06 expected goals total over the last two games. So it has looked pretty bad. I think Dawson and Saliba for Wolves 
and Arsenal it did extremely well against him. They do have Rodri back uh, this week for game week nine onwards. That will be a big part of why I think Man City will definitely get better. I'm not sure they're going to lose again. Um, but yeah, I think if you were going to go no Han, it was probably game week eight. I've seen some people consider... Haaland to Watkins in game week 10 and then upgrading one of their midfielders to Salah. That could definitely work. I, I think, and I spoke about this on stream last night, you can easily go through the next five to six weeks and have captains in every single game without one of Haaland or Salah. But I also think over the next kind of six or seven game weeks, one of those two is usually the best captain every single week and I would prefer just to have both. But I do think it's viable to go without one of them you just got to hope you get a bit lucky. And obviously, people that went against Harden in eight and went for Salah absolutely smashed it. That may not happen in future weeks. So, look, I, I think just let people do what they want, right? Everyone moans that it's 10 play and you keep talking about the same players. But as soon as you want to go without Harden or Salah, you're an idiot, right? You shouldn't do that. So, you can't have it both ways. Either people talk about the 10 play players a lot or you let them do something different. And if it goes wrong, so be it, right? That's what you take the risk for in FPL. But yeah, no Haaland, I'm not sure about it, even though the numbers have been bad. Interestingly, and I'll come back on to Rashford in a sec, um, Man City expected goals per 90, 1.68, which to be fair, is still not bad. It's still more than Man United, right? As you'd expect. That puts them in eighth place after eight game weeks. There are seven teams ahead of them, including Everton, by the way, who are putting up 1.84 expected goals per 90, partly because of their fixture run. But... Man City's fixture run has been pretty good as well. The two toughest games are Newcastle at home, game week two, and Arsenal away in game week eight. Outside of that, Burnley away, Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, West Ham away, Forest at home, Wolves away. I think you'd expect better from Man City. And obviously, Rodri has been a part of most of those games as well. So it's not like he's the only factor. Look, I don't think we should get worried about Man City. Brighton at home, game week nine. Bournemouth at home, game week 11. I'm expecting goals in those games. But I think there is... I think there was a case to go without Harden. I think that case is still possibly there, but you just wouldn't want to take him out before Brian at home. I'm not taking him out anyway. I'm going to have him and Salah. And then just on Rashford, so as much as I've just said I would probably keep him for Sheffield United, and I probably will, unless it looks like he's not starting, which I know some people are starting to think could be a factor in him from an FPL point of view. So he got subbed off early in the Champions League game. He got 76 minutes against Palace and 62 against Brentford. And that's partly because Garnacho is coming in for him and he's doing well off the bench. Now, I still think Rashford is going to start against Sheffield United. I'd be very surprised if he gets benched. That's such a big call from Ten Hag. You've just got a last-minute win against Brentford. Maybe a little bit of momentum after that bad Crystal Palace game. You make a big call like dropping Rashford and you lose the game. That's a massive talking point afterwards. But I do think we should... I mean, most people aren't going with him anyway. I get that. But obviously, going forward, if he is going to get subbed early, then that makes him a less good option. Whereas Fernandez always plays 90, and he's on penalties. If you were going to keep one of the Man United players because of their fixture run, which I'm not saying is a good or a bad idea right now, Fernandez is definitely the one to go for. But I still think for Sheffield United away... I'd probably look to keep Rashford. So they're just some early thoughts. In terms of my own team, I don't really want to get into it massively in, in this video, but um, I think I've got to roll or just take a punt. I think I could get away with not wildcarding in game week 10. Like I could get Salah for free. I could get Salah for a minus four, but I can't get an Arsenal defender in as well. I can't get Saka in as well. I can't change my goalkeeper. There's just enough other changes in game week 10 where I'll probably wildcard. But looking at my team for this week, Turner against Luton at home, Trippier against Palace at home, 
Cash against West Ham at home. Um, Udogi, Son and Madison all against Fulham at home. Imbermo versus Burnley at home. Fernandes and Rashford against Sheffield United away. And then Alvarez and Haaland against Brighton at home. There's not really any changes I need to make. I'm not even sure what my one-week punt would be right now. But I don't think I'm taking out my Man United players. And I'm definitely not wildcarding in game week nine. Like, I know Salah is such a big reason to wildcard. I would love him in this draft, in this squad. But I'm not going to take a hit to do it. And I'm not going to wildcard when so many of my players have such good fixtures. So I've got to go one more week through the price drops. One more week of not having Salah. And hopefully come out of it with a green arrow going into a wild card in game week 10. I think this week is even less of a worry about not having Salah because I'm definitely going to captain Haaland, whoever I own. Because Brighton at home is such a good fixture. And I also think Son's great against Fulham at home as well. So that's my team. That's my early thoughts. If you've enjoyed that video, make sure to give it a like and hit that subscribe button. I will have a few more videos out this week, but not not as the same as usual because obviously it's international break. Um, but I'll do a wildcard draft and stuff like that. If you are listening on podcasts, make sure to rate five stars. And if you haven't checked out Fantasy Football Hub, link's in the description below. I'll catch you again soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.